Welcome to another episode of the More Than A Game podcast. And joining me on the podcast today is former Illawarra Hawks player and coach, Eric Cooks. Uh, Eric spent a number of seasons playing in the NBL before transitioning into the into a coaching role uh, with the Illawarra Hawks. And he was actually a member of the staff when they won their first ever championship back in 2001. And we look forward to touching base about that today. Uh, he's had an incredible career and his son plays a role of the game of basketball as well, uh, just quietly. Uh, Xavier Cooks is lining it up in the NBA with the Washington Wizards after winning a championship with the Sydney Kings going back-to-back. And we look forward to touching base about his progression today on the podcast. It's a pleasure to have Eric with us. Uh, Eric Cooks, welcome to the More Than A Game podcast. Uh, thanks very much for having me, Dan. It's a pleasure to be on. Thanks for coming on, mate. We look forward to diving into your story and your career very shortly. But before we do that, son Xavier, who's lighting it up, as I said, in the NBA, doing some great things over there with the Washington Wizards um, before winning the championship with the Sydney Kings. No doubt proud of his achievements over the last little while. Uh, needless to say, very proud. Uh, obviously, he's only hopefully uh, starting up in the NBA. Uh, he had 10 oh. games this season after playing with uh, the Kings, after winning the championship. Oh. Uh, I thought he uh, did pretty well for those 10 games. And I think the coaches and uh, staff there was pretty happy with what he did because pretty much what they brought him there for is to be that type of player. Absolutely. No, he started really well. And I guess um, we're talking to you just previously about uh, how he wasn't fielding any calls from agents or anything like that. He was fully committed to the Kings and winning back-to-back. So... Uh, I, I hear there were a few calls coming through uh, during the season, but uh, eventually landed with the Washington Wizards. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, obviously they had that period where quite a few uh, U.S. scouts was in town, and obviously he was filling that as well. And I think that's during the time that he also uh, rolled an ankle, so he was thought that that was a bad time for that. And I think that's when he eventually did get the news that he pretty much had a guaranteed contract. Yeah, no doubt an incredible experience for him, hearing those words, guaranteed contract in the NBA. It uh, doesn't come around all that often, but he's worked hard and deserves it. But um, I guess um, going back to um, his time in the NBL, he's already had an incredible career and winning back-to-back championships. So it was a bit uh, touch and go there, I guess, number of injuries early on in his career in the NBL. Obviously spent some time in Europe as well, but I know how proud of his um, resilience and his determination to get back to full health and I remember him sitting on the sidelines and, and you know, what bide in his time, but he's come back in an incredible way, hasn't he? Yes. I mean, he had um, a pretty much injury-free time in Europe. It was only one year in Germany. And then he came back here and had, had a history of injuries at the time. But once he made the World Cup team basically four years ago, uh, mm. that's when he got his first injury. I think he might have ran into uh, Andrew Bogart at uh, the workout prior to the game against the U.S. <laughs> at that, yeah. Yeah. So that uh, took him out for a while and then uh, obviously came back late in that year, only played a few games. They did make it to the grand final that year. That was the year, unfortunately, we didn't have our uh, uh, actual completion to the year. Obviously, Perth, I think, did deserve it on those circumstances. But uh, So that was uh, three grand finals in four years during his time here, so that wasn't too bad. Yeah, that's pretty good, <laughs> if you don't say so yourself. Uh, well, just quickly about... Um, I guess his time in the NBA, uh, he's only been there for a short while, but how has he uh, been fitting in? Uh, what has he said about the team and, and the environment? Obviously, hopefully uh, enjoying it. 
obviously he loves it. He thinks it's a very talented team. He'd say it's obviously a, a different level of uh, athleticism involved with uh, some of the players. He'd say uh, uh, one of his players at training when he first got there was jumping over out of the gym. He'd say, oh, I'm pretty worried if everyone's like that. But uh, <laughs> it's only a few that those super athletes, but every team got a few. So, yeah. you know, something you got to be prepared for. But now he enjoyed the guys. He say the guys was very uh, welcoming to him. Um, take him out for dinner, uh, really made him feel at home, and the coaching staff have been really good. Unfortunately, the GM is no longer uh, there. Uh, he was. Uh, he seemed to be a big fan as well, so I was a bit disappointed that that happened, but obviously that's the line of work we're in, or they're in. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, he's done well, and just um, in your opinion, um, as we finish up on Xavier, just his progression, I guess, um, obviously starting the build before the season ended, um, but... In your opinion, what do you think he needs to do to take his game to the next level over there uh, in terms of, um, I guess, moving away from that role player, maybe starting and, and really contributing down the track? I mean, obviously, that's a little bit down down the line a bit. Obviously, just need to uh, fit in and do what basically what they brought him there for. And I think that's what, I mean, different people have different roles within a team. I think they have enough guys that look to be aggressive in the score, so they need more of a team-type player that's looking to help other people get involved. And I think they, they do a lot of those things naturally. I mean, obviously, they're really impressed by the offensive boarding. That's that's a key for what they brought him there for. But his, I guess, point forward, his mentality of, you know, team first is what they're really impressed. So I think those are things you need to drive home, obviously, to get in. Now, as far as to make the next step to being, I guess, uh, beyond a, a limited role player would be to knock down a three. I think that's every every player in the NBA pretty much need a three-point shot nowadays. And uh, oh. obviously that's something you need to work on. Needless to say, uh, the free throws would help as well. <laughs> they all help, don't they? Absolutely. Yeah. No, he's doing great things. And I know all the Sydney Kings fans are cheering him on and uh, most NBL fans too, I guess. So we look forward to seeing, seeing how he progresses. But uh, let's go to your career because um, you did have a career yourself. And, uh, yes, a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> but you hailed from Indiana and, uh, and grew up loving the sport, obviously, in playing. But how did you get involved in the sport of basketball? How did you come to play in the first place? Well, I mean, uh, the, my hometown is Gary, Indiana, so it was uh, basketball mad. I mean, around that time, you might have seen the movie Hoosiers. That's sort of how we grew up, where basketball was like. Mm -hmm. We had, you know, 5,000 people at some of our holiday tournaments in town. So it was uh, really a big thing. And obviously, we felt that if you played well in our city, you had a good chance of getting a scholarship. So we, we, we was very competitive as a high school. I had some guys that went all the way to the NBA as well on my high school team. Uh, Wallace Bryant, a seven-footer we had in high school, played for uh, Golden State at one time, a couple of years there. Uh, a couple of other guys went very well as well. But uh, like I say, very competitive. We had quite a few guys. My high school coach also coached uh, Glenn Robinson, the, the big dog. He's from yep. my hometown. Um, someone uh, I played against, son, is playing now. Uh, can't think of his name at the moment, but yeah, we we, we was basketball mad. So I uh, 
competed there, got a scholarship to go to St. Mary's, which was, that was before all Australians started going there, actually. Yeah. We had, <laughs> I did play there with uh, Brian Shaw my, uh, a couple of years prior to him transferring to uh, UC Santa Barbara. We was right around the mark. We Back then, they only took one team from the conference to the tournament, and each year we finished second runner-up, so that uh, was very disappointing. We didn't actually make it to the tournament, but... Uh, mm. We, we, we was very competitive every year we was there. Yeah. But, yeah, that sort of ended up getting me here. Actually, my time at um, St. Mary's, I played against uh, Loyola Marymount, which at the time was coached by Ed Gorgian. All right. Which is, uh, in a long about way is how I ended up getting here after playing against him. And when Brian got his first coaching job, of course, he rang his dad and uh, asked for suggestions and I was one of the names on that list and Brian showed up in San Francisco and talked me into coming here basically. Oh, yeah. There you go. I was going to ask you that because I didn't actually know the story of how you got out here, but um, well, that's really cool. So there's a connection again with Brian Gordon. Seems every guest I have on here has a connection or was coached by him, but. Well, um, yeah, because after coming out, I stayed with him that first year as well. So I well, got to and that was his first year coaching, so yeah. we both was learning on the fly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, obviously some areas touching on that. Obviously, uh, Matthew Dell of Dover, Paddy Mills, Kate Gaze, some great Aussie players still playing, um, went through that system, um, obviously. Um, what was it like back then, though? So I mean, uh, well, it's a lot more. I think uh, even some of the young ones, uh, uh, I can't think of his name, uh, coached at the AIS. He was one oh, of the first ones. Robbie uh, McKinley. Is it? Uh, no, no. Can't think from Perth originally. Adam Caporn? Caporn. Here we <laughs> go. Here we go. <laughs> he was one of the early ones too. Dave Patrick, I think, went through there as well. Mm. But yeah, with a long ties. And Randy Bennett, which is uh, the coach at St. Mary's, he was in a, another team in the conference when I was at St. Mary's. So I met him some of his first years coming out of here. He, ironically, he always had scrimmages against the Hawks. So I got to know mm. Randy pretty well. And obviously, he made a, a long, uh, lot of trips back out here after that one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So he spent about 10 years, was it, with Ballarat Miners in the Seabull competition? And yeah, uh, 11, yeah. I think. Yep. Thereabout. Yeah. Yep. And coached by Brendan Joyce as well. Is that where it all started, the relationship with uh, Brendan Joyce down there? Yes. I mean, like I say, Brian was my – we had very good coaches at Ballarat, by the way, mm. and they still do. But mm. my first coach was Brian. That's who brought me out. And then that followed up by a close friend of his and a close friend of mine, Al Westover, yep. that uh, later coached the Tigers to a couple of championships. He's actually my daughter's godfather. Oh, right. But I, uh, he's close. And um, then we had uh, Brendan Joyce as well. So we had three coaches that did very well in the NBL coaching. Yeah, incredible. And so Brendan was the one, I believe, that brought you to the Hawks uh, back then, Illawarra, and then changed to Wollongong. But uh, you played with the likes of, from memory, uh, Glenn Savile, Matt Campbell early in their careers. Uh, yes. CJ Bruton was there, Dave Anderson, some incredible Australian players uh, early on in their careers. When you're playing with them, uh, did you feel like or think of the time that these guys have a big future ahead of them? Oh, definitely, definitely. And that was something I told Glenn early. I mean, Matt Campbell, I've been playing with him since he was 16. He was at Ballarat with me as well. Oh, right. Coming here. 
Yep. So I had a long relationship with Matt. Uh, Glenn always was a super athlete, and you could tell that he had a, a long future ahead. Uh, some of the others, David Anderson, he, well, he was only, we called him puppy back then. He was yeah. only 17. He only played the one year here yeah. prior yeah. to going overseas. And that, I was actually his roommate a lot during that year. Right. Obviously, he was, uh, he was uh, a, a, a talent. He was yeah. a, a very smart player as well. And I think that's what got him so long, uh, so far in the sport. Absolutely. Yeah, some great players there. Obviously, uh, Glenn Saville and Matt Campbell's uh, jersey retired up in the with the banners there. So that's really exciting that you got a chance to play with them early on. But um, after uh, four seasons playing in the NBL, you've moved into coaching and uh, obviously has spent a number of years as assistant coach, spent a year coaching as well as a head coach. Uh, was that something you always wanted to do or was it something that just came about? And um, you also coached with, um, as I said, Brendan Joyce, Gordy McLeod, Rob Beveridge. Uh, what was it like um, being tutored by them or mentored by them? Yeah, oh, I mean, great times. I mean, great individuals. Different uh, coaches brought different things. I mean, even being involved with Brian and uh, those guys as well. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of the coaches I've been involved with have done extremely well, and I learned something from each one of them. Each one of them carried a themselves in a different manner and, and had different uh, traits and different uh, accents, but uh, all of them was great individual coaches. But I, I learned a lot from all of them. Yes. Mm. Was it something you always wanted to do, to get in the coach? Uh, I wouldn't say golf? it was something I always wanted to do, but I always loved the sport and I was more than happy to be involved, to continue, and then mm. uh, through circumstances, I became the head coach, and I think it was two and a half, three years. Obviously, we had some financial issues in that time and didn't have the squad that I thought we needed. And I, I obviously was learning on the job as well, but it was a great experience. I wouldn't pass it. I wouldn't trade it for the world. Absolutely, no doubt. I'll come back to the head coaching opportunity in just a moment, but um, you were a part of the coaching setup, I believe, when the Hawks won the, the first championship. Is that right? Yes, yes. Yeah. Back uh, 2000, 2001. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, outstanding year. I mean, I, I guess we were probably underdogs the whole yeah. way. I mean, it was a team that I, I, we, I think we called ourselves road dogs at the time. We was very good on the road, so we had no problem having to go. Uh, most of the series, we had to win two on the road, or all three series, I think, went three games. Mm -hmm. uh, but and I mean that was a trait of the team, and we was very deep. Everybody contributed on that squad. Mm. I, I mean, obviously Melvin Thomas, another one whose jersey's hanging from the rafters, yep. was on that squad as well. And mm. Charles Thomas, Damon Larry, uh, obviously I played with him in Ballarat. We won All multiple right. championships there as well. Yeah, me and together with Eric Hayes. But yeah, no, it was it was like family. No, it was a real good year. Absolutely. Brendan did a great job coaching. Uh, the other assistant coach, unfortunately, passed away, Eric Lowe, but he was a mm. longtime uh, Hulk supporter, also with the Hawks. I, he, ironically, my first year in Australia, he was on the team with me. Right. Brian, me, Brian was coaching us, and me and Eric Lowe played together uh, oh, yeah. back in the early days. Yeah. And obviously, I was there with him all 10 years and here with him for. 10 or so years as well so i had yeah. a long relationship yeah so many connections there it's so good to hear but um going back to that championship i guess that infamous well not infamous but a famous shot of damon lowry uh, just bouncing around on the ring 
think it was a oh, shot yeah. to get into the final from memory. But uh, what were your thoughts? As uh, well, well, it was. Uh, I think we was down two, and the ball uh, basically on our baseline. So we had to go the length of the court. We barely got over half court. Uh, Damon had a, a prayer of a shot, and a good friend of mine, Darnell Me, would mm. swear today that he didn't foul him, but. Uh, the refs didn't see it that way. Damon believed he was uh, almost murdered on the foul. But <laughs> <laughs> I think it was different views on that. But uh, uh, thanks to us, he went up and knocked down all three. Obviously, all three was a bit shaky, but uh, never in doubt. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It was incredible. I remember that moment. Still watching it on TV as a kid. But uh, you mentioned Daniel Me. That's funny you mentioned him because I was only actually thinking about him the other day. I had a... Um, I've been giving my son my old basketball cards and I had an NBA card of Darnell May when he was playing for Denver Nuggets. And it just got yeah. me thinking, for me, he's probably one of the most underrated. Well, he was obviously an incredible player, but in terms of his contribution to the sport over here, I mean, I think of guys, I was a guard, who I wouldn't want to guard. He would be one of them. Like, he's athletic, he could shoot, Well, strong, you probably like, wouldn't want him to guard you either. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's He was it. outstanding on defense. Yeah. I mean, I, I became very good friends with Darnell. Mm. Uh, I saw a lot of the tapes when he was in college, and he was a beast on defense. He was a, yeah. just so long and so quick. Mm. Uh, great player, great mind. He really thought the game. When he came to us at um, Wollongong, he uh, – wasn't probably as quick or athletic as he had been before, but that he started a career shooting threes. I think his yeah. first game with us, he might have hit 10 threes. Yeah. But no, outstanding player. And like I say, he really thought the game. Yeah. He, uh, he really wanted to get everyone involved. He was one of the first ones that I thought really pushed the ball without dribbling it. He was one of the had great up-court vision. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I still talk to Darnell. Uh, great guy. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I still remember his shot. It's very uh, awkward looking <laughs> shot, but it was effective at the end of the day. But very athletic. He had a few dunks that probably go down in history as well over some centers. Yeah. As, as I said, I think there's a lot of great imports that have played in the in the league, but he's right up there in my opinion. Just, um, yeah, what he brought to the NBL. Great player. Um, yes. But moving into your time, um, also... Being a head coach, um, you spent time, I think it was a season or two, that you were head coach. And uh, what were your memories of that season? And um, uh, Yeah, two and, a half, two and a half seasons. I yeah. took over, I think, halfway through one season because of some situations with the club. Yeah. But, I mean, it, it was a learning experience for sure. Uh, I thought, especially my second season, I thought we had a team that really should have competed for at least a playoff spot. Uh, we, I think, might have went a bit over 500. It was a very competitive uh, year that year. There's a lot of teams that was very deep. Uh, but I thought we had some some names. that Because uh, we had temporarily had lost Sav. He went down and played with Brian Gorgian in Sydney. So uh, when he came right. back, we had a team that I thought should have been probably a little bit better than they were. Yeah, yeah, we were. Mm. Oh, yeah, some legends playing with you. But um, I guess my question around that, you talked about the learning. I think any sort of leadership position or coaching position, you do learn a lot about yourself in the role. And yes. um, I've been reflecting on this lately in my role, but also talking to someone just today about it, how important it is to be self-aware um, as a coach, as a leader, um, yes. being aware of your strengths, but also I don't like to say weaknesses, but your growth areas. Um, it's so important in terms of, you know, 
the way you portray or come across to your players or your staff, that sort of thing. How important is it in a leadership capacity, coaching capacity to be self-aware and and how do you grow in your understanding to, I guess, further yourself but also the team? Yes, and it's important to people you have around you as well. That obviously can help you with some of those areas as well. Mm, Absolutely. But how would you say is... How is it helpful? What, what things, strategies can you put in place to to grow in your ability to be self-aware? And, um, yeah, obviously you mentioned one about having people around you, listening to them, I guess, and their advice. I, I mean, obviously you get a lot of that. And plus my uh, the owners at that time was very hands-on. So, I mean, obviously I took advice and uh, information from them. And uh, the players, I had some fairly, you know, uh, you know strong-minded players that was uh, been around for a while that uh, sort of helped through situations as well. I mean, like I say, we was probably, I don't remember the exact record, but I think it was only three or four games out of missing off on the playoff year when I thought we did have the talent to do it. But at the end of the day, you you know, it's a sport that you really got to win, basically, if you. And obviously, I think at the end of that anyway, I think we went in the receivership at the time Mm. prior to one of the occasions, unfortunately. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to touch on that because, yeah, I guess since probably maybe uh, mid-2015, 16, the club's really struggled apart from those two seasons that Brian took over Gorgian. Um, What is, in your opinion, that needs to be put in place, what model to sort of maybe re- capture the minds and the hearts of the the region down there because you look at the crowds across the league, they're all growing and thriving, but the Hawks still seem to be stuck where they were maybe 10 years ago. So um, what is it do you think that needs to take place to to grow the sport down there? It's, uh, I mean, we didn't have some pretty good years. And obviously when a team is successful on the court, we have uh, obviously better crowds. I mean, whether we're, Traditionally, a basketball town is probably fair to say we're not. We're probably more in our NRL here or even soccer to Wolves. But like I say, most teams or cities like a winner. And in the years that we were successful in the playoff race, we was getting good crowds. Uh-huh. It's being consistent about that. And, you know, uh, yeah. that comes down to budget, a lot of situations where, I mean, the last couple of years, obviously, they spent more, and I think they were more competitive, not to mention Brian with his expertise and his mm. the people he brought in. But I, I think, you know, this year, I think they looked in far as the recruiting. I think they looked like they got a team that could compete for a playoff spot. Mm. And uh, once you get in the playoffs, anything can happen. Uh, I, I think they got some talent for whatever reason. They had, a you know, injuries obviously hurts everyone, but I thought, Last year was an unfortunate, uh, really uh-huh. bad year for injuries for him. Yeah. I think, you know, they, I think they lost all four imports at one time or another throughout yeah. the year. So, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, massively tough season for him. But uh, hopefully Hawks fans um, get on board and they can move forward. But um, yeah. I guess uh, one of the teams I wanted to talk to you about, I think your coach is still at the time, that I feel it was a missed opportunity to really build from here because I remember back to um, – I think it was around 2015, 16, the squad that the Hawks assembled that year, for me, is up there with what well, there's been some incredible, you know, squads that the Hawks put together. But for me, Kevin Lish, Kirk Penny, um, you know, Oscar Foreman captain of the team, AJ Ogilvy, probably one of his best seasons, made the all NBL squad. That was a incredible yeah, that was a grand, thing. 
that team made it to the grand final off memory. Yeah. That was yeah. uh, Rob Beveridge, I think, was the coach yeah. of that team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, we, we ran into Bryce Cotton, I believe, if my memory yes. serves me right. And uh, I think probably wasn't for uh, Bryce. Uh, we probably would have had another championship that year. Uh, very competitive team. You're right. It's uh, Kurt Penny was, you know, it's I think his first year back in the NBL after mm. being overseas, and he was outstanding that year. Like you say, uh, Kevin Lish was really going well. That was AJ's. Uh, I think he was a 20 point scorer back then as well mm. on that squad. Yeah. So now, and we still had the, you know, Glenn Seville and Matt Campbell. I think in that mm. squad. So. Yeah, we, we definitely had a good team. We unfortunately just fell that one hurdle short. Yeah, absolutely. Some lean, lean years after that. But, um, yeah, hopefully, as I said, next season's a positive one for the Hawks. But another player I want to touch on that you probably had the opportunity to – we did have the opportunity to coach, uh, Rodney Clark. Um, I wanted to mention his name because I had a chance to meet him a few times. Great guy, an incredible player. The guy could shoot. Like, I've seen some shooters uh, in the NBL. He was – up there with the best shooters in the NBA I've ever seen. What was it like coaching him? And yeah. I mean, he's he's a super nice guy. I mean, he's he's very uh, polite, very genuine. But when he get on the court, he was a, a beast on the court. He he was definitely a scorer. He and I think he changed the way we ran our offense basically during that year. I think uh, it might have been Gordy McLeod would have been the coach when we had Rodney, the head coach. Mm. And we went through a real lean uh, part to probably the first uh, third of the year. And we brought in some different offensive moves to, uh, I guess, let Rodney be freer. <laughs> and it changed our whole year. I think we may have went to the – we definitely went to the finals one of those years with Rodney. I mm. think he ended up winning the MVP. Uh, he definitely won it. He won it over a uh, Perks guy, uh, yeah. James Ennis, yep. which was, <laughs> I think James Ennis wasn't too impressed by that. But, uh, <laughs> he might have lost his trophy that year in a yeah. uh, year, I believe. But, <laughs> but Rodney was a great player and I thought he deserved that championship. I mean, sorry, that uh, MVP trophy. But uh, yeah, he's an outstanding player, outstanding player, person. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Well, there's been some incredible players that have gone through the Hawks system and uh, you've been one of those and been around for so long, um, no doubt. Well, we have seen you at Kings games recently, but I'm sure you'll be uh, cheering them on this next season and, and uh, yeah, hoping them, wishing them all the best. Um, sure. Just as we finish up, I guess uh, the question I was going to ask you is, having been a player coaching, uh, do you see yourself moving forward, uh, getting involved in a coaching capacity once again at all or...? Uh, is that it? Not in a rush. I'm enjoying the time away from it. I, I'm enjoying being a fan. I really do enjoy just going and uh, watching the game and being uh, impressed by both teams in a lot of situations, individual players. Obviously, when my son was there, I probably was a little bit more biased towards Sydney. <laughs> but, I mean, Sydney and Wollongong will still be my two favorite teams, obviously, in the NBA. Yeah. Well, it's a good note to finish on, mate. I really appreciate your time and giving us an insight into your career and life. But uh, Eric Cooks, thanks You're for joining us on the More Than Game. My pleasure. Anytime. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of the More Than a Game podcast. If you enjoy this episode, please feel free to leave a review, click the subscribe button, and for more episodes and content, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts or via the Podbean app. 
Our website is also gamemorethan.podbean.com. We hope you can join us for another episode of the More Than The Game podcast.